Well, good morning, everyone. We're singing Jesus, Rose of Sharon. Jesus. so much for Jesus. He is the Rose of Sharon. And when the storms of life come, which seems to be a lot nowadays, help us to call on him. Help us to trust in him. Help us to sing about him. Help us to mediate on his word. It's your word, Father. Your word guides us. Your word controls the storms. So all we have to do is trust you. And no matter what, one day we're going to be in paradise with you. 
It's just a matter of faith. So help us to believe. Even though we can only see it at a distance, it'll be here sooner or later. In Jesus' name, amen. Help prepare our minds for the Lord's Supper. We'll sing Ivory Palaces. My Lord. very sensitive to a lot of things it's you know there's a lot of people that you know just little things just really really, really bother them and you don't think about it too much but when's the last time you had just a little tiny pebble in your shoe are you gonna are you gonna be able to walk around or you got to get that thing out of there before before you think it's gonna cripple you what about just a little bit of dust in your eye how much dust would you want in your eye before you're like I, I gotta I gotta get this taken care of or even 
Have you ever had like a hair in your mouth? How small is a hair? But you, you don't, nobody likes that, you know. But when you, and sometimes uh, even smell, you know, people say, oh man, this thing's, I, I can't be here. You know, it's it just, just a, a, an odor. But when you think about that, think about Jesus. When they took him out and tied him to a pole and just beating. There's, there's a lot of words in the Bible that I think it's scourge, and we don't know what scourge is, but uh, just the plain name is they just beat him. They beat him with chains. They beat him with whips and and just whatever they could, you know, threw rocks at him, whatever. How, how does that compare with having a pebble in your shoe, you know? How does that compare with having a hair in your mouth, you know? And, uh, but I think about what, what did that pole smell like? It, it, it smelled like the person's sweat and blood that was tied to it just before Jesus was there, you know? It was, it, it was terrible. And, and, but Jesus was willing to do this and, and allow this to happen to him for us. And then we know eventually, after the, after the beatings, after the trials, after everything else, they took him out and they, and they crucified him and, and, uh, and killed him. So, and, but he was willing to do that for us. And that's what this meal here is, is to help us to remember that, that Jesus, uh, his sacrifice. Shall we pray? Our God and our Father, we're thankful for Jesus. We're thankful for the love that he had. We're thankful for the pain that he was willing to endure for us. Things that are, are not even comprehensible to us to, today that, that someone, would be, someone would be treated like that. It would all be considered uh, illegal and, and inhumane. But Jesus was willing to, to do that for us so that we might be able to draw closer to you someday. At this time, Father, we ask you to bless this bread as we partake of it that, that helps us to remember the body that, that he sacrificed for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Shall we pray? Continuing in thanks, Father, we, we know that without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. And we know that Jesus' blood was the only one that was, that was enough to, to be able to wash away our sins. All the previous blood that was shed did not do that. We're, we're thankful for Jesus. We're thankful for the, blood that, for the blood that he shed, that it's still able to wash away our sins today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Father, we're thankful for all the gifts that you give us in this life. We're, we're thankful for our homes. We're thankful for our jobs. We're thankful for this beautiful place that we have here that, that we can gather in peace and, and, and worship you. We, we pray, Father, that, that you'll accept our gifts and, and, and that we'll do so in a manner pleasing unto thee. In Christ's name, amen.
Ephesians 1, 21 through 23. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him, who fills everything in every way. Children's Church, uh, those who would like to be excused, be excused this time. Those of us remaining, if you join me in standing, if you're able. So last week we took a little break and we went through vessels because that was the theme for Teen Week and I wanted to uh, share what we discussed last week at camp with you guys. We're going to jump back into Ecclesia. If you remember the word Ecclesia just means the church. It's the translation for the word church. That's all it is. If you had the original text, this would be the word every time you see church you would see this word Ecclesia. It just means to be called out. It's just a group of people that have been called out for a specific task. That's what we are. We're the church. This building is not the church. 
We're the church. This building is not sacred. We are sacred, right? This building doesn't do the work of God. We do the work of God. That's what this is all about today. So it's important as we uh, look at Ecclesia and what it means that we think about it from that perspective. A lot of times we put faith in bricks and mortars. God, God did not put faith in brick and mortar. God put faith in you. God put faith in you. The church doesn't move unless we're moving. The church doesn't grow unless we're growing. Church doesn't change unless we're changing. Which is what today's really all about. I'm going to talk to you about something that if you have been in the church of Christ for any amount of time really, you're going to know the basic principle of what we're talking about today. That's being that the church, us, being the body of Christ, is also the temple of God. We are his body. We are also his temple. Again, I say, look at the windows. Look at the walls. Look at the beautiful pillars. If you ever notice, if you flip this thing upside down, we're kind of in Noah's Ark. It means nothing. Okay? We can debate a lot of things. It means nothing. It's not about the building. It's about who's in the building. It's not about how the building looks. It's about why we're here. All right? Super important. Super important. Because we are the body and we are the temple of God. So 1 Peter chapter 2 introduces this idea. It says, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men... Rejected by men. Remember that part. That leads back to a couple weeks ago when we talked about dying to ourselves. Right? In order to be part of the ecclesia, you have to die to yourself because you are living for God. You're no longer living for yourself. You're living for God. And because you're living for God, Jesus said, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. If they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. Right? That's the reality. So as you come to him, being Jesus... A living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. Don't ever forget that. The world's going to make you feel like a terrible person for following God. Some of your friends are going to make you feel like you're not doing the right thing, or you're being judgmental, or you're hating because you're following God. But to God, you are chosen and precious. Verse 5, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious. And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. I want you to understand something. We read that. Who's the cornerstone? Jesus is the cornerstone, right? Jesus is that precious cornerstone. But understand this. Jesus was the beginning. The work is not done. We complete the work. The cornerstone is what holds the building together. The cornerstone is what gives a building integrity, right? The cornerstone is what allows a building to hold weight. But there's also other bricks. We are those bricks. We are the building of God. We are the temple. We are chosen and precious to God. Now I want you to look at this scripture as well and ask yourself this question. What if you were a Jew 
and you're reading this for the first time, shortly after Jesus died, do you think you would take offense to any of this scripture? First of all, if you were a Jew, being God's people, right? Who offered sacrifices? Anybody? Could anybody just offer a sacrifice? Of course not. Who could offer a sacrifice? Only the priests, right? Only the priests. Alright? So you got to think about what Peter is saying. Who he's talking to. Jesus said, Paul, to the Gentiles. Where did Peter stay? He stayed at home. And ministered to the Jews. Remember, it was at the Jerusalem Council where certain Jews came in and Paul had to say, Peter, you can't be one way with one group of people and another way with another group of people. He was talking about Jews. Why? Because that's where Peter was called to. So there's this shakeup that's happening that we've read since we were kids and maybe it doesn't hit us in the same way, but I want you to see it for what it is. This is the first time in the life of God's people where God is calling every single one of us not just the ministers, not just the elders and the deacons, every single one of us to be priests, every single one of us to be ministers, every single one of us to partake in the work of the church. Super important because we're all chosen and we're all precious and working together, the church will always grow and the church will be healthy. Verse 9, but you are a chosen race. That would appeal to them. A royal priesthood, that would bother them. A holy nation, that would appeal to them. A people of his own possession, that would appeal to them. That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of the darkness into his marvelous, into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, oh wait. He's not even talking to them. Once you were not a people of God, now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. See, this is the second radical shakeup. Before, in the, under the old law, to convert and become one of God's people, you had to convert to becoming a Jew. Before that, becoming an Israelite. You had to convert to a culture. Right? You had to convert to a nationality. Most of the time a nation without a home, but a nationality. I hope you guys are seeing all the similarities between your call now and what the scripture is revealing. First Corinthians three, for we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building by the, by the grace God has given me. I laid a foundation as a wise builder. Paul saying he's the wise builder. He's building on this foundation and someone else is building on it. 
But each one should build with care, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. He's the foundation. He's the cornerstone. You know, in other scriptures it says that the prophets and the apostles built, helped lay the foundation, right? Because the entire Bible from beginning to end is about one person. It's about one being. It's about one God. That's Jesus. That's who it's all about. Right? So he says, take care with how you build on it. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. Do you not know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? God is here now. How often do we acknowledge that? How often are we even thinking about that? When we sing songs of praise, when we take communion, do we realize God is in the room? He's here with us. The scripture says where two or three are gathered in my name, what? So am I there with you. God is here now. Right? God is here. It's super important. Not because we're in a building. You can have church on a boat. I don't know if you read it, but it happened a few times in the New Testament. You can have church unexpectedly. Right? The walls do not confine the church. The country does not confine the church. The culture does not confine the church. Because the church is just made up of people who believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. But we have to work. Don't miss the point of this scripture. Right? Go back to the beginning of it. We are God's building. Right? We are God's field. We have to work. I understand that there are not new scriptures being written. Right? If the world lasts another 2,000 years, there's not going to be a letter from Matt Robinson to so-and-so Church of Christ or whatever that's going to be read in the assembly. But we still are writing the word every single day in our lives. We still are part of the story, even though the story seems to have been finished, right? Because it's still pointing ahead, but it's finished. We are still part of that story. We are part of the history of the word of God. When I was young, I realized something in scripture that was actually very disheartening, I guess is the word to say. 
I don't know, maybe you've picked up on this too, but it sure seems like that the scriptures indicate that it's just going to get worse and worse and worse until basically God can't take it anymore and Jesus comes back. Right? One day we'll be that generation that's similar to the flood and the people where everybody had every single thing in their heart was on evil and, and the world's just going to be a mess and Jesus is going to come back. Something like that. This isn't a deep dive into Daniel or Ezekiel or Revelation, okay? Something like that. You know, that's a very disheartening thing. You know what else it is? It, it's, it's an excuse to not feel like you have to get out there and go work. Well, the world's just getting worse. What are you supposed to do about it? You know, every year they write books on the decreasing population of church. And you get into groups of, of leadership and you start to discuss this. And that's actually something that you'll hear. I guarantee you will hear. Anytime you're in a group of people who are believers and you start talking about how the, the church numbers are dwindling, people are going to go, well, you know, it's just going to get worse and worse. Nothing you can do about it. You ever make a mistake? And realize you made a mistake? You ever do something and, and, and realize it was wrong and therefore it changes your life forever? You know, the world is going through seasons just like we go through seasons. If you remember, I did a very, very long series about how God is faithful. We were talking about Israel over and over and over again. And the one thing I'm not sure I actually hit home the way I wanted to was the idea that Israel is everybody. Israel is my story, it's your story, it's everybody's story. It's the story of mankind. It's the idea of being flesh. This is the struggle. Everything you see Israel struggle with is everything we all struggle with. So life is always gonna have its struggles. But just, that, just like at some point in time, you have a struggle that teaches you something, changes your life, shows you where you were wrong, the world is going through that as well. There are times and seasons for everything. This is not new ideas. This is old ideas. You can find it in Ecclesiastes. There are times and seasons for everything. There are times where the world is decaying and there are times where the world is learning from their lessons and they're starting to figure things out. Which time are we in? Well, I can tell you right now, it's just going to constantly be in decay if the church isn't there to prod us. If the church isn't actively working. If we don't bring the message of God, who is going to? If we're not the temple of God, if we are not holy and set apart, if we don't walk around with the Spirit of God, if we don't have obedience to the Word, who's gonna? See, there enters the other side of that equation that you read in Scripture. By the time you get to Revelation, 
Is the church huge and strong? Or is it a remnant? It's not a guaranteed decay because the world is just terrible. It's also a guaranteed decay because the church is going to be inactive. We don't have to be that. We can be a group of believers that lives and breathes and speaks and says and does the word of God. Because God is expecting us to build. And God is expecting us to work. Right? Their work will be shown for what it is. What do you want to build for God with? You guys know the story of the uh, three little pigs? I hope so. I know education has changed a little bit, but come on. You don't know the story of the three little pigs? Everybody just looked at me like, where's he going? Where's he going with this? Where's he going? Is it the same story I heard? What do you want to build with? You want to build with hay and straw and the wolf comes and huffs and puffs? Or do you want to build with gold and silver that not even fire can destroy? In fact, as fire hits it, it just refines it. It makes it more pure. What are you building with? Are you even building? You know, unfortunately, that's a question we have to ask all of ourselves at some point in time. Am I even building? Am I even working towards Expanding the kingdom of God. You know, here's the tendency in life, especially in the culture that we live in, right? I mean, you're taught since you're young to mind your own business. Aren't you? I hope you were. Or you'd be rude. Right? You mind your own business, right? So we have a tendency, we come to church, we find Jesus, and then we mind our own business. We don't share it with others. Because we think we're being rude. I want you to understand and flip that in your mind. Flip that in your mind. You know, me and Amy used to go out to eat. And I remember, I, especially when I was young, I would think, I can't pray in public because I don't want to offend somebody else. Right? We're not, we'll just say our own little prayers to ourselves and we'll move on so we don't offend somebody else. I don't want to be rude. You know what's rude? Not sharing the gospel with those you love. Amen. Not living a life for Christ that shows the truth of Jesus' love for the world. That's rude. There's only one way to heaven, and that's through Jesus Christ. That's the only way your ticket gets punched. That's the only way you are reconciled through Christ. There's only one way. If you believe in hell, it would be rude not to share Jesus, not the other way around. Don't fall for the lie of the devil. 
Don't fall for the scheme of the culture of this world where you got to keep it to yourself or you're rude or you're offensive or what you preach and teach and, and, and live is hate speech. Don't fall for that lie. You, what you speak is love speech. You know that, right? What you speak is love speech. That's what you speak. The Bible is a book of love. That's what it is. That's what it is. So remember that you're the temple of God and that God dwells in you. And I want to show you this real quick because I want you to see that the way Paul's writing, he's showing you this goes all the way back to the very beginning. This goes all the way back to the first covenant, to the beginning of the first covenant where he says, what agreement, this is 2 Corinthians chapter 6, what agreement has the temple of God with idols for we are the temple of the living God. In other words, don't go back to the things you used to do. Anything can be an idol. You can talk about the specific idols of the pagans that they worship that were associated with demons that Paul talks about. Or you can talk about anything you've made an idol. Anything you've put in front of God and pleasing God. Anything that becomes more important, a better priority than God. That's an idol as well. It says, you are the, living, you are the temple of the living God. I make my dwelling among them and walk among them and I will be their God and they shall be my people therefore go out from their midst you remember this this is Abraham and be separate from them says the Lord and touch no unclean things then I will welcome you and I will be a father to you and you shall be sons and daughters to me says the Lord Almighty this goes all the way back to the beginning God always wanted to be with us we were always it was always about us Think about it. When he established the tabernacle, the tabernacle wasn't for him. Does God need a building? Does God need a box? We like to put him in one. Does he need one? No, everything was for us. Every ritual, everything was for us to remind us the need that we have for God. Not that he needs us, but he desires us. He wants to be with us. He wants to be in relationship with us. He wants to dwell in us. He wants to go with us wherever we go. He wants us to carry him and be proud of him. Ephesians 1 says, And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything, the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. And this is super important too. You know, we are the body of Christ. Christ is the head. Not only are we the temple, we are his body. And there's a lot I, I, I want to say about this, but I've spent a lot of time on temple, so I'm going to go quick. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them, if prophecy in portions of our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Look, it's just showing you, just like, just like another scripture will say, you know, you, you got the hand, you got the foot, you got the leg, you got the... There's different parts of us. We're not all made to fulfill the same exact part of the church. We're not all called to the same exact 
place in the church. You haven't been talented and gifted in specific ways to fulfill everything in the church. You've been talented and gifted in specific ways to fulfill specific parts of the church. Together we make up the church. There is no one person that can fulfill the entire part of even just North Brevard. Of even just this small little part of the body of Christ. That's why there's many of us who have been made differently with different talents and abilities and gifts to fulfill different roles here at North Brevard Church of Christ. That's why the eye cannot say to the hand, this is 1 Corinthians 12, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet. I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body, look at this, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. What? Is that how we normally think? I don't think that's how, I don't even think that's how we were trained to think. But that's scripture. The parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the great honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body. We don't look at certain people and go, you know what, he's more talented than she is and she's more talented than he is. We should spend more time with those people and focus on those. No. It's no different than when we say, well, their contribution is nicer. We don't do that. That's not how we look at the church. I'm going to go back to verse 25 to the top of that. That there may be no divisions in the body, that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, everyone suffers. Right? If one member is honored, all rejoice together. You know what? That is not, um, that's not a saying. That's a reality based on the heart of the church. When you have a brother or sister that you love that's going through something, it hurts you, doesn't it? Can you just forget about it? Can you just go home and forget about it and not think about it? No, it sits with you because there's real love. There's real relationship, right? That's what it's talking about. If you have somebody who's being honored, it makes you proud, doesn't it? That's because there's real love. There's real relationship. If you don't have that in your life with your church, man, you need to start asking yourself questions. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was receiving inheritance. We were just going over that from the Old Testament. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations whose designer and builder is God. He wasn't looking forward to the physical promised land. He was never going to see it 
In fact, he actually lived in it. But he was never going to see it the way the 12 tribes would later on under Joshua. And that's not even the promised land he was looking forward to. That promised land, if we're being honest, the majority of that promised land was actually built by the Canaanites. <laughs> not God. He was looking forward to heaven. The same thing Abraham, all the way back at the beginning of the covenant, was looking forward to is the same thing you're looking forward to now. See, the work's not done. When Jesus says it was finished, he wasn't talking about the work. The work was just getting started. The reconciliation, the restoration, the, the, the beginning of the church, that was at the beginning. When he said it was finished, it was about that Old Testament. It was about sin. It was about the power of Satan. That's what was finished. For all those in Christ Jesus. So I got three take-homes. I want you to think about this. I, this is just a random thought. But it made a lot of sense to me. If Jesus is the head, right? The head wears the crown. He's got the authority. Right? It houses the mind. What's the mind control? I don't know. Everything about the body. Right? Houses the mind of Christ. It provides vision because doesn't the head have the eyes as well? Give me the eyes to see, the ears to hear. Right? It gives you life. Can you breathe without a nose or a mouth? If I cut you off from the neck, you still got your lungs. You're going to breathe? And it speaks the word. This is the head. This is Christ. We as the body, the goal of the church is to embody Christ in heart, mind, word, and deed. That's the goal of the body. Look how it works together. This is the reality of every Christian. It's not about becoming a robot for Jesus. It's about willingly giving yourself up. It's about willingly dying to myself. That's something that you start to realize you need to do at baptism. And it's something that you're doing every single day after that for the rest of your life. And last but not least, we are the temple of God set apart by His Spirit, perfected by His love, refined by trial and discipline. That's what we are. We're not a perfect building. You might have heard the saying before. It's a famous one. It says, hey, if you ever find the perfect church, leave before you mess it up. We're not perfect people either. This isn't a perfect body. Our bodies won't be perfect until we're in the next life when we become a new creation in Christ. Nobody in here is perfect. We have to work together, learn from each other, lean on each other, love each other, be united in the fight against evil with each other, not fight against each other and create evil.
Because we're the temple of God. We're holy and we're set apart. And every single one of us that have been baptized in the Christ willingly lay down our lives to live for Him. See, the first part is salvation. That's the easy part. Everybody signs up for that. The second part is where you really die to yourself and make Him Lord of your life. That's the harder part. And it's the journey of life. I pray we have grace, mercy, love, true affection and forgiveness for each other in this body. Because the world's not going to slow down. And we need to get to work. Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you been washed in His blood so that all of your sin, past, present, future, are gone? Remember, no more. Separated as far as the East is from the West. In Christ you will not be put to shame. Have you received the gift of the Holy Spirit? You now becoming part of the temple of God. God literally dwelling inside of you. Changing you one day at a time. Teaching you one day at a time. Helping you discern one day at a time. Helping you love the way Christ loved one day at a time. For those of us who have. I pray we never give up on the journey. I pray we never think we've arrived. I pray we never stop learning. And more importantly, I pray we never stop working. Where are you at today? If there's any reason to respond to the invitation, you can come as together we stand and sing.
Thank you, Matt. Uh, nothing more truer could be said. We each have a place in the church. Um, I gave a shortened version that uh, Will I Am to encourage him to read scripture here this morning. So that's his role right now. And uh, he didn't want my job, even though I kind of offered it to him many, many years ahead of time. So anyways, thanks for joining us here on the orange carpet or at, at home. Grab yourself a bulletin. We've got those out here in the thing. Uh, while I'm talking about bulletin, I've been putting out a calendar each month with birthdays, anniversaries, food pantry, and things like that. Uh, I'll probably try to put out the August one for next Sunday. If you have an August birthday or anniversary that doesn't typically appear in the bulletin, maybe you haven't been here, uh, if you haven't lived here, part of us for the last year or something, longer than a year, get that information to me and I'll add that to it. So anyways, um, I'll start out with the sick list. Uh, a lot of people have caught the Rona, have caught COVID this past week. So. It might be a shorter name, list to name the people who haven't, but um, I'm going to try to give you names of people I know who have tested positive or are sick with it uh, this, this week. I'll pray for them. Some of them is minor. Some of it, it's, uh, it's more serious than that. So as we all have tried to avoid that for uh, several year, couple years now. Uh, Sylvia Coates, Stephen B.B. Sharp, Chris Doris, Sue Coleman Sharp, Brian Tagto, Dennis Reichert, Bob Caddy, I understand Bob Caddy is actually in the hospital with it. Uh, Lynn and Irvin Nobles and Jimmy Seltzer. So that's about a dozen people from, a dozen of our members, a dozen people who are part of this body who have it this week. So anyway, stay safe out there. It's, uh, it's always a recommendation. Uh, also on the prayer list, Hunter. He's the nephew of the Raps, Greg and Amber. Um, I guess he's at Nemours. Uh, they think he has, or they... I don't know how to say it, Goulian Barr syndrome. If I said that wrong, there's probably a reason for it. Autoimmune system that attacks the nerves. So uh, they asked for prayers for Hunter. So, uh, Calvin Nobles. Calvin Nobles um, went to, um, he's in Orlando in ICU. Uh, his heart pump stopped working this week. He uh, has a clot in it. So uh, they say he's on it. He's in ICU. Should have got out either yesterday or today and moved to a regular room. Um, he's walking, he's in good spirits, so that's a good thing. That's the place that's always taking care of Calvin. I know he's, pump's not working, they got to put him on blood thinners, and that affects other problems, and it's a, it's a back and forth thing. So pray for Arliss, pray for Calvin through that. So, time for some good news, right? We always use that. So, we got new members, and uh, the good news is, we have Doug and Pam, and I'm going to probably say their last name wrong, because I didn't ask how to say it right. Is it Gertis? Gertis, Doug and Pam Gertis, you want to stand up, wave, or not? I don't care. <laughs> Doug and Pam came to the elders this week and placed their membership here. Uh, they've been long-term members of uh, the church. They've served, uh, been parts of the church up and down the eastern seaboard, it seems like. So they, uh, that's a good news. They're uh, their servants uh, talking to them. Uh, Doug's been an elder three times as uh, Harris Corporation's moved him around. So it's good to have that uh, the background, that, that servant's heart, and they are eager to serve, and uh, we're eager to have them. So thanks. We'll give them a warm welcome. Their information is in the church, in the instant church directory. Uh, so anyways, it's there if you want to talk to them or something, other than just grabbing them here. School supply giveaway. Uh, we're going to do the school supply giveaway again. And uh, this... <laughs> If you need a backpack with supplies, seek Sue Coleman. She's also on the COVID list, so don't seek Sue Coleman. So, um, or Matt. Matt's another contact for that. She's got a bunch of them. They're going to give them away on August 6th from 1 to 3. Uh, so if you, if you need a backpack for your kid, or um, let them know. So she's got a bunch of those they're going to give away. 
Um, senior adults, this Thursday. The senior adults are going to lunch, right? 11 o'clock. They're going to go to the Jesus van leaves here. If you want to ride the Jesus van, it's going to Merritt Island uh, Olive Garden. There's a sign-up sheet in the foyer. I saw it. So sign that sign-up sheet. Go with them. Senior adults, like I said last month, turns out they're not really old people and they're just people. So I'm just shock of all shock. So anyways, it's a good time. It's a good group to be with. Widowhood Workshop, the big one, is in Laverne, Tennessee. And it's coming up this weekend, Friday and Saturday. Dean Miller runs that. Um, I know some of the people here have gone to that and been encouraged by that. If you're free to go and that's something that's in your life, go. Please go. It would be a great thing. Other big thing happening this week. That's it. VBS. So, yeah, we have VBS this week. Vacation Bible School is this week. It's Wednesday through Friday, 6 to 8.30, right? 6 to 8.30 is Vacation Bible School. This year's theme is Carnival Desserts. Desert Carnival. Carnival in the Desert? Carnival in the Desert? <laughs> it's much better as Carnival Desserts, I'm telling you. Carnival in the Desert. Is it really Carnival in the Desert? Good, even in the even in the desert, you have a good time. So I know that. So <laughs> carnival in the desert. Um, the good news is, well, the bad news is that Glenda won't be a part of us. And uh, Glenda has always been here, uh, as far as I can remember. Uh, her double strength Kool-Aid is key to making VKBS work. You see Glenda for two weeks with a red arm. She stirs that stuff up, and she is. So anyway, she has sent her recipe. I know her recipe is here. Vacation Bible School depends on that, so that is a part of it. So she will, she will be a part of us. And cookies. No VBS is complete without cookies. There's a cookie sign-up sheet in the foyer. Don't pass that up. Sign up on a cookie sheet. Bring cookies. And like I said, elders have to say it, so snickerdoodles are my favorite. So snickerdoodles, I will have snickerdoodles on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. So guaranteed. And there's a cookout on Saturday. So more information on that. Uh, at one, 10 to one, 10 to one, there's a cookout right here. So please pray for the guy who's gonna lead the adult class too. Uh, <laughs> yes, so anywho, six hours of Bible classes. So on carnival desserts. <laughs> there will be deep fried Oreos, all right. <laughs> tonight, Matt's gonna preach again tonight. Uh, Philippians two is, is topic tonight. Um, Wednesday's Bible class is not the same as it always is. It's just right here for Vacation Bible School. I don't know if we're going to live broadcast that or not. Um, anyway, uh, so that's when Wednesday's class will be instead. I think that's it. Stay safe out there. Seriously. Uh, we've got a dozen people that I know of who've contracted COVID this week. Uh, a lot of people have horror stories about that, uh, admittedly so. Uh, be safe. So, Until we meet again. If you would, and you're able, please stand. <clears throat> it's easier to sing this song if you're standing. And we'll have a closing prayer after we sing. Oh, Lord, my God, when I
Let us pray together. Our loving Father, we come to you this morning thanking you for the time that we've had to worship you and sing songs of praise and look at your word for guidance and strength in our lives. We pray, Father, for your blessings upon this church and pray, Father, that you help us to look for ways in which we can serve and which we can get involved in and be able to be an example and be able to be able to be seen in this community. Father, we ask for your blessings upon those of our congregation that are sick. We especially pray for all of those that have the coronavirus. We're asking for quick recovery and we pray, Father, for their health and that they return to their health. Father, we ask now that you go with us, guide us, protect us in Christ, and we pray. Amen. <laughs> 